Hello, and welcome to the latest episode of the Talk to Defeat ALS podcast. I am your host, Director of Communications and Public Policy, Tony Heil, here at the ALS Association, Greater Philadelphia Chapter. Uh, today, we're going to be talking with our, one of our social workers, uh, Wendy Barnes, about an important aspect of our chapter, the Howard I. Abrams In-Home Care Program, and uh, the impact it has on ALS patient families, and uh, how it started, and some of the ways that she implements it to help our families and make sure everyone gets the care that they need that we are able to provide. If you want to learn more about this program before we start, and uh, just want to learn more about ALS, donate, volunteer, and get involved, or join a walk to defeat ALS or the ride to defeat ALS, please go to www.alsphiladelphia.org and follow us on Facebook and all the other accounts at ALS Philadelphia, all one word. With that little opening, I know it's not exciting. Um, I could, If I was better at this, I'd have some music and theatrics, but we have to spend our money on things like the Abrams program. Uh, so, Wendy, thanks for joining us and talking about it today. Oh, you're welcome. We've been trying to schedule this for a while, so I apologize for not having new podcast episodes up in a bit, but you're a busy person. Well, and we had lots of snow days, so yes. um, I think every time we tried to get this connected, uh, get us connected, we, it was a snow day, so... Yes, it's been very different, but that's a good segue into the program because a snow day means people are stuck at home, and people being in their homes is kind of what we want sometimes with ALS, and also why this program is important. Right. We um, the the program through the chapter is um, meant to provide some uh, home health aid support, which is non custodial care, um, which means really that the home health aides cannot do anything medical, um, such as working with a feeding tube or giving medication. Um, but what the role is, is to provide assistance with bathing, um, dressing, transfers, maybe some range of motion exercises. Um, and then if some time allows during um, the time that the aide is there, they can help with some meal prep, maybe some laundry, maybe some light housekeeping. Um, so the goal is um, to provide some service in order to hopefully keep someone at home um, and as independent as possible. So just a couple hours of in-home care a week can make a huge difference. And they're not just making the person with ALS more independent. You're making their caregiver more independent and their kids more independent, right? Correct. So this will allow uh, the caregiver a little bit of a break from having to do that personal care. It also allows maybe the caregiver to run out and do some grocery shopping while the aide is there. You know, they may not feel comfortable leaving someone home alone. And uh, this allows them um, a little, you know, maybe two, three hours a week to, um, to get out, do some things for themselves, maybe even schedule their own doctor appointment. And I have seen from my visits with families to promote this program because we do an appeal every year which you can donate to, again, on our website. Um, a lot of the patients really want their family caregiver to get that break. I've seen a lot of spouses who say, you know, I really want my wife or husband to get some time to themselves. They, they need it. That's something that even the patients themselves care about. Yeah, absolutely, because I think it's, it's as important for the caregiver to take care of themselves. And even just getting that couple hours out of the house, doing something for themselves, Maybe even just getting a haircut um, would be um, an ideal um, uh, situation for that caregiver. Um, it just gives them a little bit of a recharge 
to get out of the house for a little bit. And it really does make the person um, with ALS, I think it, it, it helps them feel like they're helping the, their spouse or their daughter or their son. Um, so it, it really is beneficial to both the patient and the caregiver. We were just talking before we got on here about kids and how exhausting families can be when you're healthy, because both of us are healthy. Um, I mean, at least I think I am. And uh, so I imagine having a family, especially if you're a family that has ALS and you have children in your house or other things, that's an even bigger exhausting process. So this makes such a huge impact on those families. Yeah, it definitely does. So you've been to work, this program has existed since the mid-90s. Um, Howard I. Abrams, who had ALS um, and passed away in, I believe, 1996, and, uh, he created this program. He saw a need for it. His son, Jeff Abrams, um, helped to make sure the program continued with his gifts over the years, and then we have more donations coming in. Uh, so how long, you've been with the chapter for how long? I started with the chapter back in um, 2000, so I'm actually into my 18th year, um, although when I first started, I was just running one of our resource groups. Um, I wasn't actually a, a paid employee from the chapter I was contracted with, and then as the years went on, um, I took on a few more roles. I started doing some home visits in the Lehigh Valley um, when we established our clinic at the Lehigh Valley Hospital. I took on some hours there, and... Um, eventually uh, came on part-time, and now I'm full-time. So when do you get your 20-year pin, then? My, oh gosh, now you're going to make me have to count. Um, so you're going to get it, you're not going to get it in 2020? It's going to be a couple of years after that? Yes, correct. Oh, that's see. Yeah, because technically, I wasn't, in, I was just a contracted employee back in 2000. I mean, maybe we can petition. Okay, we'll, we'll get, try. Yeah, maybe get a special pin. Because um, 2020 would be great. You could do a 2020 look back at your life and everything. We could do that anyway. We could do that anyway, yeah. Uh, so their program existed, though. There's another person, Sue Schwartz, you were saying, who had been facilitating the program. Correct. And then you took it on. I took it on when she retired. Yep. And so what does facilitating the program mean? Because um, for making sure people can get in-home care does not mean that they just get it. Like you have ALS, you fill out a form online, and all of a sudden someone comes to your door. And one of the things that our chapter has been discussing, especially over the past year, is um, making sure that we have continuous care throughout our large geography, that more people, that, you know, we don't get great care in one place and okay care somewhere else. I know that you've worked really hard on that over the past 18 years or right. some years. Right. Um, how do you make sure people get those services? What is it like to facilitate that? So what we do is we have a team of, of social workers and nurses that um, are connected with all of the families that are registered with us. And we do periodic check-ins. We might see a patient at a clinic visit. We might schedule a home visit. And through talking with the patient and the caregiver and their family, we learn that their kind of their daily routine is getting a little bit more difficult. Um, some of our patients live alone and they start needing some help with maybe getting out of a chair or getting in, into and out of the shower is becoming a little bit more unsafe because they have some leg weakness. Um, so as our team members talk with families and maybe hear some uh, questions and concerns about um, their daily routine, we'll start talking about our program and um, offer um, some information 
Um, and if it's something that they feel like they are ready for, um, we initiate the Abrams program, which really just requires the family to fill out an application. And then I give the family a call and we talk in more details. Is this something that um, they want once a week? Do they want it maybe Monday, Wednesday, Friday? Would they like a visit, you know, Monday through Friday? Um, we kind of tailor it towards what their needs are. Um, and we can always start off with just a few days a week and then bump up hours as time goes on um, as their needs change. So it's nice in that the program is very, very flexible. And I will be the one to work with the home care agency, place the referral, and um, initiate um, the initial visit uh, with the home care agency, and then get things started. And then I periodically check in with families to make sure everything's going okay. Um, there is a lot of turnover in home care these days. The home health aides don't stay very long. And it's important for me to check in with families and make sure that they have consistent care. I might need to, you know, just touch base with the case manager at the home care agency. And maybe there's something that we can do on our end. Um, we also consider the home health aides that go into the homes the eyes and ears. Um, they may be seeing some issues that we're not seeing because we don't we don't we don't see that patient very often. Right. And it's really helpful when they call us and say, "Hey, Wendy, this this person could really use this piece of equipment," or "I think it's time that we add another day to their schedule." So we're really appreciative of the home care agencies and their communication with us, and it helps us um, manage care and and provide better care. So it sounds like it's a very, very process. Not everyone gets the same care necessarily because they make a different hour. Um, and people have different needs. ALS is such a complicated disease to me, even being here for a few years, um, because there's really no two stories that are the same. Their needs are very different. Correct. Whether it's, um, do you guys, I know that, um, one, one thing I don't think is appreciated enough by people outside of here is just how big of a caseload each social worker has here. Because that's a lot to put in your head. It's like 100 people per person, right? Correct. And right. that's no matter where they are. So it's, I think, especially if any lawmakers are listening, because that's part of my forte, um, to really appreciate that, that, how much work goes into that. But um, how many people might use the Abrams program in a year? On average, you don't say like, oh, it's um, I usually have about 60 to 65 families using Abrams monthly. Um, so whatever that calculates out to be, um, it, it's, 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 it's not the same family all right. year round. So that's, that is hundreds of people throughout the year. Right. Right. And, and people come on and off for different reasons. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, some, some people might eventually start paying a live-in caregiver. Maybe if somebody is living alone and they don't have any family that's close by, but they really don't want to be put into a facility because they really do need round-the-clock care, um, they may opt for a, a um, you know, either a private caregiver, a living caregiver. So people come in and, you know, on and off the program. Um, and that's really nice because, again, it's that flexibility. We can really tailor what our program is for what the needs are. And, and over the years, we've had to kind of tweak the number of hours that we've been able to provide. Um, we don't get any... Um, 
any outright funding for this program. It's based on donations. Um, so some things have had to change over time. But right now we're 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 we've been at the same level of um, of what we've been able to provide for the last few years. So we feel really good about that as a chapter because we know our donors are also feeling that this is a program that is truly necessary and truly impacts their quality of life. I feel as someone who lost someone to ALS, my grandfather passed away, um, and but more importantly, meeting all these other families because. I've known many, obviously, many more people that had ALS who are younger than my grandfather over my seven years here. Um, I think that this program in particular is really at the heart of our mission. It's about giving people their dignity, um, their time, giving them the best life possible while they have this terrible disease. And I think your work really enforce, reinforces that, that this is what they're giving them. You're not just giving them a piece of equipment, which is very important, also a very important part of our mission, but this is kind of the heart of our mission. Absolutely. And and like I said, most people want to stay at home. People want to live in the comfort of their home. They want to be with their family members every day. And this is something that the chapter can do, and we feel um, gives the best quality of life, gives support to the um, caregiver, provides much needed support to the patient who, you know, as time goes on, their needs are changing. Um, and it's, it's vital. It's vital to their quality of life. Um, you know, just those few hours of care during the day, um, gets that the majority of that care done. And then the rest of the day they can spend doing the things that they enjoy, doing the things that they love, um, and not having to worry about when am I going to get my shower that day? Or how am I going to get my socks on that day? Um, little things that people don't think about. Right. Cause I still remember my dad. He's a wonderful person. You know, you, you don't know what you don't know. So, you know, when my grandfather had ALS, my dad didn't think of the things that, why would he think of that? I wouldn't think of that. Um, whereas my grandmother had Parkinson's on my mom's side, and my mom had some medical background, so she knew some questions to ask. But most people don't know those questions. Right, right. Those things like that. And that, that's part of my role, too, is we're talking with a family that's questioning whether it's time to start a program like this. We talk about those little things. And, and I try and point out, you know, this, this is what the aid could help with. And would you find this helpful? And, and you know, 99% of the families say, yes, absolutely, this is, this is what we need. Um, and um, it might be a little difficult to start. It's, you know, you're having a stranger come in, um, somebody into your home, kind of, you know, delving into your routine a little bit. Um, and it can be, it can be a challenge and it can be a little uh, nerve wracking to have that person come in. Um, but if we find the right fit and I really work hard and the agencies work hard on that as well is to find a caregiver, a home health aide that has a similar personality. That's the right fit because we want, we want both sides to be comfortable. We want the caregiver right. to be comfortable the home health aid that's coming in, and we want the patient to be comfortable. Um, and if they're not, um, then it's not going to work. Yeah, we've heard some really great stories about people who have established a connection, and sometimes it yeah. lasts longer than the care. Yeah, and these home health aids, you know, I so many families tell me that the home health aids become part of their family. We've had home health aids um, be speakers at someone's funeral, um, yeah. and that's how close that they get, and um, they they develop a special bond. Yeah, I've heard of patients who do things for that health aid, you know, if there's something going on in that health aid's family because they want to support them in some way. Right. 
so before we get into some final questions, I just want to remind people to support this program at www.alsphiladelphia.org. Your donations, a, a donate button, help make this program possible. Um, the programs are going on for tw over 20 years. You've been facilitating it for over 10. You know, estimate that. Um, but in, in my opinion, being here, some of the changes that have happened over the years are just your team's ability to bring it up in conversation earlier, to know people's needs, and understand when people can need it. Um, maybe even get people getting diagnosed sooner means it. You would rather them get this program earlier in their diagnosis than later, right? Is that a good way of saying it? Well, and I, I just, yeah, I think that's a good way um, to start off slow, maybe just two days a week, and then, you know, as time increases. Um, what we've found over the last few years is there's really not a whole lot of other resources out in the community. This It's really Especially hard. different parts of our geography. Yeah, yeah. It's hard to, um, you know, not many of our families qualify for the county and state funded programs. Um, and Medicare is providing minimal. Um, you have to pretty much have a skilled need or, or have some therapy services involved in order for even Medicare to pay for a home health aid. So to me, um, you know, when you don't have resources out in the community, you don't qualify based on your income and your assets, but home, you know, home care is expensive when you pay for it out of pocket and you're trying to set up a private duty caregiver to come in. Um, it, it's, I don't know how other, um, how other families can do it. You know, I just, I just think this is such a vital program and gives such peace of mind and it gives that that hands-on care um, that our families need. And when you can't get it out in the community and you can't get it funded elsewhere, um, you know, that's, our donors are incredible. The ones that, and our families that donate back to this program, we've been able to keep this program going, thankfully. And um, it, it's, it's going to continue to be needed because I don't see that changing um, in regards to finding funding for this elsewhere. Yeah, and, and while home care is expensive, it's even more expensive for people to feel like they have to go to a private nursing home or a public nursing home and then having to get on those kind of assistance. It saves the state's money and saves the county's money if people can stay in their homes, I think. Absolutely. And, and so it's a better decision to support those programs, um, whether it's through our donations, through legislation, uh, through whatever ways people can help. This is the kind of program that pays off in, in every positive way, both financially and in a human way. Correct. Um, so one thing I wanted to bring up before we finish, though, is has your conversation about approaching home care changed over the years? Like, do you start the conversation earlier than you did before? Do you have different cues? Like, it almost sounds like when you're talking about their situation, like the show House, which I haven't watched in a long time, where another nurse might say, oh, well, here's what's going on at home. Let's do that. Or... It has a conversation change about how you approach it, but anyway. Um, you know, I think our staff, our, our um, care services staff, we're, we're just so in tuned to listening um, to what our families are saying. And years of experience makes you a better yeah, listener. Yeah, yeah, abs absolutely. It doesn't mean, make we, me sound like a better listener interrupting you, so I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think we are just so in tuned um, to situations and listening to a son or a daughter expressing and you know we may even have to point out to them you know directly and say you know it sounds like 
this might be the time to bring somebody in for care. And, and it might be, you know, just a light bulb that goes off for them and said, you know what, I've never thought about that. I've been trying to do this on my own. I've been trying to keep it all together and work and provide care. And, you know, sometimes just us bringing it to the forefront and starting that discussion is all it needs. Right. Um, so we're always in tune to those, um, to our families that way. Um, because, you know, that's what we're here for. We're here to offer suggestions. We're here to have that conversation and do it in a very gentle way. Um, we would never force services on anybody, um, but we just want families to know that they're available at any time that, and we're open there and, you know, we'll discuss it. And we'll talk about ways of, about how to get used to, you know, somebody coming into your home that, that you don't know. And um, we're here to support that whole process. Yeah. So that's how the program has improved over the years. Having people like Wendy Barnes or other social work team and nurses here at the chapter, um, are, they're better in tune with patients and families than ever before after a 40-year partnership here at the ALS Association uh, for uh, the ALS mission. Your donations help make this program possible. Please donate today at www.alsphiladelphia.org. Uh, follow us on social media and raise awareness of this program, the Howard I. Abrams In-Home Care Program, um, all at ALS Philadelphia, one word. And if you have topics you want to bring up in a podcast or things you want to learn more about, feel free to email me, Tony, T-O-N-Y, at alsphiladelphia.org, or email Wendy, at uh, wendy at alsphiladelphia.org. And she'll answer any questions about Abrams that you may have and if it's appropriate for you. Thanks, Wendy, for sharing your expertise. Well, thank today. you for inviting me to do the podcast. I'm glad it's not a snow day. It's, it, it's not a snow day, but it's a rainy it day. Is a, it is a rainy day, so we have to be inside anyway. Uh, thanks for listening, and uh, please share and raise awareness.